0: Welcome to Infosecurity Magazine's monthly podcast, bringing you news highlights, topical debate, and expert interviews from the information and cybersecurity world. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this February edition of the InfoSecurity Magazine podcast. And this week, we'll be taking stock of the cybersecurity landscape, 12 months since the outbreak of the Ukraine-Russia war. My name's Beth Mondial, and I'll be your host for this episode. And I'm joined by InfoSec Magazine news reporter, Kevin Poirot. Hey, Kevin.
1: Hey Beth, how are you?
0: (laughs) Well, it's an exciting episode because we're doing it in person, sat in the same room together, so um, it's nice to be face-to-face to to talk about this issue. It was really hard to actually pinpoint what we wanted to talk about in this episode of the podcast because there's been so many reports and analysis released um, that's been diving into how the cybersecurity threat landscape has changed over the past 12 months. And for our listeners, you'll see a lot of content out there looking back at the last 12 months. And we'll even be doing some stuff on the Infosecurity Magazine website as well. But we've picked out three things to focus on this episode. So first, we'll be discussing some of the points in the recently released report from Google Threat Analysis Group. The report was called Fog of War how the Ukraine conflict transformed the cyber threat landscape. Kevin uh, dived into this one last week and wrote a great article, kind of picking out some of the key points from it. So we'll be discussing that. Second, Kevin will be diving into some of his research on wiper attacks. Uh, He's been writing a feature for the magazine on that and how wiper attacks have kind of exploded over the last 12 months. And finally, we'll be heading to our interview this episode. It's with Alex Leslie, who is the lead analyst at Recorded Future, and he'll be talking about findings from their report called Dark Covenant 2.0. And this explores Russian cyber criminal activity and how the lines between financially motivated threat actors and those who have actual allegiances with the Russian state have become more blurred than ever before. And that'll be something we'll be touching on throughout this episode, really. But first, a quick message from us here at InfoSecurity Magazine. InfoSecurity Magazine brings you the latest knowledge and insights into the information security industry. As well as listening to our podcast, you can join our award-winning editorial team during regular webinars, online summits, and live events, as well as access to all the latest cybersecurity news and analysis via our website, infosecurity-magazine.com. So head to the website to sign up for all the sessions, receive regular news, and to earn CPE credits. Access all the information you need to know in one place at infosecuritymagazine.com. Now on with the chat. Obviously we've seen quite a lot of trends. Critical national infrastructure is now in the target sites of a lot of these threat actors. Um, We're seeing that nation state actors are more active than ever. And we're seeing a lot of different types of attacks. So Kevin, let's start off with the fog of war report that I mentioned in the introduction there.
1: Yeah, it, w- it was quite an interesting uh, report. Obviously, it was, uh, I think they-, they used the fact that it's well, one year on after the start of the war in Ukraine. And they did a deep threat analysis of uh, what happened throughout this whole year and the beginning of 2023. We've seen that there's a big increase in cyber activity against Ukraine, but also against NATO countries. The report says that the, the cyber attacks targeting Ukraine rose 250% compared to 2020. And those targeting NATO countries, 300%. So these numbers are staggering, obviously.
0: Yeah, so that's compared to 2020 numbers, and what, 250, 300%. And we've certainly covering cybersecurity over the last 12 months, certainly seen a lot more activity directly relating to what we're talking about today.
1: Yeah. And one other thing that really struck me with this report is that there are covering the cyber operations uh, during the war in Ukraine, but they're actually dating the whole Russian strategy in in the cyberspace. They're dating it back to 2019. They call that the pre-positioning phase where Russia started to run espionage operations and also they start they started phishing attacks back from 2019, 2020 and 2021. So it started way before yeah. the actual war.
0: Yeah. I mean, we've covered a little bit about how in the weeks leading up to the end of February, 2022, there was obviously a lot of intense activity. It's really interesting if you look at the report, how they break it down into the different phases mm. and those kind of phases that directly correlate to what's happening now. Did begin all those years ago, like in a pre-COVID world. Obviously, after the Russian annexation of Crimea, so it's kind of, I guess, obvious that there would have been some activity. Now, yeah. when you look back at it,
1: yeah. But w- w- what's interesting, as you said, is is the this these phases, and we are actually uh, on our website, our website. We've uh, shared that they have like a graph with like all the phases. So that's really interesting to see that it's not always the same thing happening every month of uh, from February, 2022. So we have different phases. One thing that overall happened and that that they analyzed is that Russia developed a multifaceted strategy, a much more complex and much more elaborate than previously. We could summarize this as as two main parts. First, um, Russian state actors or Russian uh, or pro-Russian threat actors developed or deployed a wave of cyber attacks of all sorts. We saw a lot of DDoS attacks, or distributed denial of service. Uh, we saw a lot of ransomware. We saw a lot of wiper attacks, uh, hack and leak. We saw a big range of different cyber attacks. But we also saw influence campaigns, what what uh, Google calls information operations. And what's interesting in these two uh, side of things is that in both cases, we saw that the usual suspects uh, in cyber attacks it would be Sandworm, who is very well known to be linked to the G I U, so the, the military intelligence. Uh, Service in Russia, and on the influence campaign side of things, the IRA, the Internet Research Agency, based in St. Petersburg, who's also um, very well—it's very well known to be linked to uh, the Wagner Group. But we also saw a lot of different groups that were either maybe new—we're not sure if they're new or if uh, just they haven't been identified before—or there's like there's like a bloodlines where we see like small groups that appear and we're not too sure if they are officially linked with Russia or not, but they definitely play a part in this.
0: Yeah, so kind of like splinter groups, like it's really difficult to attribute. And I think I mentioned in the intro that these blurred lines between what is a direct result of Russian government, the GRU, as you said, and their um, intelligence partners, saying, do this, make sure this is the action you're taking. And then people doing it on their own behalf. And then you've got the actors that are already manipulating the cyber landscape to have their own financial gains, kind of getting involved in it. But it's really hard to know who's actually linked, who's Mm a hundred percent that is directly linked yeah that's kind of what i got anyway
1: yeah yeah no definitely and, and one thing that is new both from these uh well-known groups and the ones that are more new or that are less well-known or that are where the link the, the line is more blurry is that there's a huge a spike in disruptive and destructive attacks in 2022. And that's something that the Google report covers. In their phases, if you go on, on our website where we, we showed the, the phases that they, they published in the report, you can see that there's a lot of wiper attacks, there's a lot of disruptive attacks that have been uh, deployed in 2023, 22, sorry.
0: Yeah. So, well, that's a great segue into the next kind of thing we wanted to touch on. But as um, Kevin said, we did cover the Google report on our website. So if you want to find out more or see that list of phases, which is really interesting, it really visualizes how their Russian campaign, it was a fully thought out campaign. These things aren't just random. But now looking into another thing you've been working on, Kevin, is wiper attacks and it's something we probably knew about but have really exploded over the last 12 months but first like what is what is a wiper attack for for those who might not know
1: a wiper is a piece of malware that wipes data that wipes data on a device or on a whole network long story short we could we could say it's a ransomware but without the decryptor Obviously, technically, it doesn't really work. It doesn't always work like that, but it's basically a a piece of malware that wipes data without any decryptor to get the data back.
0: So so it's just a disruptive. It's not like there's not going to be a negotiation to get the information back.
1: Well, that's the problem is is usually, or or before 2022, usually, all wipers were like this. And there were, more often than, than not, there were... Uh, attributed to APT actors, so, uh, state sponsored actors. But what happened in 2022, uh, what the, the experts, uh, told me is that wipers and ransomware, the line between them is getting blurrier as well. A lot of wipers that we saw in 2022 were actually, um, disguised as ransomware. They were even had, had the name ransom in, in their names, but they didn't have a decryptor, so in fact, they were wipers. Getting back to the Google report, it actually resonated with what I've been doing this past few weeks, speaking with a lot of threat intelligence experts about uh, what Fortinet has already called the year of wipers, referring to 2022. In the, in the Google report, the company Mandiant, who's, who's now part of Google Cloud, is quoted from uh, saying, from its incidence response work, Mandiant observed more destructive cyber attacks in Ukraine during the first four months of 2022 than in the previous eight years. So this is, this is big number. It's very difficult to say how many wipers there have been in 2022 or in the past, because these ones, as we said, are usually overt. So then they're not, it's not always easy to know all of them. From the numbers that we have, which are coming from uh, Fortinet, 2022 saw at least 16 new wiper families. And To give you an idea, before that year, there were never more than five wipers per year. So we we saw between one and, and five new families every year, and in 2022, 16 new families.
0: And have they been operating solely against Ukrainian targets, or is it spilling out beyond those borders?
1: So a majority of them were at least linked to the war in Ukraine. Uh, and a majority of of the ones linked to the war in Ukraine were targeting uh, Ukraine, but there there was a, a spillover effect. Uh, at least what from from what Fortinet told me, they recorded at least twenty four countries targeted by wiper attacks. What what's interesting is it's very similar to to what Google said uh, about the phases. But if we break down into two phases in twenty twenty two. Uh, the first half of of the year was the appearance of of new f- wiper families. There's a lot of new families that that appeared in in the first half. And the second half, the new families stopped emerging. But what happened is the families that emerged in the in the beginning of the year were reused, and not just by the same actors. What's interesting is that it it was it they were reused by different actors as well. Some were in on the same side, obviously, but uh, we could see that different threat actors were actually co- cooperating, collaborating, and this is something that is new. Wi- wipers are not new, but the fact that wipers are entering um, this field of cybercrime as a service or reuse of different uh, malware tools is a new is a new trend, is a new thing.
0: Yeah, and I think again another very good um, segue is the kind of new trends, how these threat actors are behaving and how their behavior has evolved over the last um, 12 months is something that I'm going to discuss with Alex Leslie, who, as I mentioned, is the lead analyst at Recorded Future. And he spoke to me recently about their latest report, Dark Covenant 2.0, Cybercrime, the Russian state and the war in Ukraine. So uh, let's hear from Alex now. So hi, Alex. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me today.
2: It's nice to be here.
0: Great. So Alex, you're here as you were the lead analyst for the report that Recorded Future has recently um, launched, Dark Covenant 2.0, which explores cybercrime, the Russian state and the war in Ukraine. So First, Alex, I think it would be great to give our listeners a bit of context
2: and tell us what the report actually sought to look into. Absolutely. This report was a follow-up to uh, the first Dark Covenant report, which came out in September 2021, um, examining the relationship between the Russian state and cyber criminals and um, more broadly organized crime. What we were looking for particularly was how did the relationship between the Russian state and cybercrime evolve since the war began? Are we seeing any trends of note that are important to defenders and security researchers? Are we seeing any paradigmatic changes in ideology, motivation, whether that be financial opportunism on behalf of of threat actors or political motivations? What are we seeing that for the cybersecurity community need to be... um, noted in order to better defend against both cyber criminal and Russian nation state attacks.
0: Yeah, so I think obviously really timely. And it's interesting that the first report you wrote came out, obviously, just before the war in Ukraine began. So I'm sure you were already starting to see some of the activity building up. So you speak there about like the relationship Russian cyber criminals have with the Russian state. And I think generally speaking, people know that it is a close relationship, probably closer than we even think or know. So how have allegiances changed or how has that relationship evolved since late February 2022?
2: Absolutely. So we see changes depending on the industry that the cyber criminal is located in within the underground. That is where we see the change taking place. So in ransomware, we see some groups like Conti, for example, most famously declaring allegiance to the Russian state, and then more or less the Conti leaks precipitate their their dissolution. Some groups decide to say, oh, my goodness, look at what's happening with Conti. We're going to stay completely neutral and very openly declare that we have no political allegiance whatsoever and that ransomware is an apolitical industry. Hacktivists immediately um, begin to target Ukrainian, Polish, Western infrastructure, more or less groups that had never uh, surfaced before February 2022 that we had not been tracking beforehand um, suddenly spur up in February March and April of 2022 and then of course on the forums you know every major cti uh, company tracks russian language activity on cyber criminal forums and what we see happening there is very interesting we see for the very first time database breaches data leaks affecting ukrainian entities suddenly popping up on russian language sources where you know even though ukraine isn't a formal member of the cis it's still rather taboo to target ukrainian infrastructure or any member state of the former soviet union that changes in february 2022 um within a couple of weeks we identify generally Thirty to forty database breaches affecting Ukrainian, Georgian, Estonian uh, entities, which is has been a taboo topic since the mid two thousands.
0: Yeah, we saw quite a lot of that come out as well. Like especially you mentioned Estonia, there they were heavily affected. And you say that that's you say also that new groups had started to evolve and um, kind of come out of nowhere almost. What are those new groups doing now, 12 months down the line? Are they kind of settled in and they're now active cyber criminal organizations? Or was it just they popped up, kind of did what they needed to do, and now the war's rumbling on that they've gone a bit quiet?
2: Yeah, Yeah, so this like cyber criminal group transiency is really focused on hacktivism. So when the war begins, we at Recorded Future begin tracking approximately 100 pro-Russian hacktivist groups that are targeting Ukrainian and Western entities. Like 100 is a lot. As of right now, we're only really tracking three to five. So what happens is in the first 100 days of the war in Ukraine, we are, Estimate that the overwhelming majority of attacks claimed by pro Russian groups happen in March of 2022. The overwhelming majority of groups then begin to dissolve. And what they do is then they're absorbed by much bigger cyber criminal and hacktivist groups. So the really predominant one that everyone knows right now is Killnet. Killnet forms in February 2022, generally is competing for attention with Hacknet and Cyber Army of Russia and some other groups, then ends up becoming what we consider to be the hegemonic pro Russian hacktivist group, absorbing all of its competitors. Um, We see this happen a lot. When the war happens, Groups declare allegiance immediately, threat actors on the forums declare allegiance immediately, some ransomware groups declare allegiance, and really within a month or two, most of these groups end up either distancing themselves from those declarations or dissolving entirely.
0: In terms of the tactics that they're using, is there anything that you observe change compared with the first report that we mentioned earlier? Any tactics that kind of popped up that were new or have continued to evolve?
2: Yes, so distributed denial of service is is the go-to for pro-Russian groups. There's been a great number of industry reports about how DDoS uh, in 2022 has grown in prominence. Um, Year on year, it seems that at least on our end, we're tracking a 20 to 30% increase in DDoS across the board. So it has, you know, the the old tool of hacktivists has now become the predominant TTP again. When we talk more or less about that hybrid warfare uh, that we see with cyber criminals in the Russian state, so... In the report, we make uh, some attributions to uh, Conti initial access brokers being involved with the Russian state or certain ransomware groups colluding with the Russian state. This change doesn't seem to be in TTPs, but rather in victimology. So we're seeing some ransomware groups, some data leak brokers, moving away from targeting uh, private enterprises located in NATO member states and targeting critical infrastructure instead. So we're seeing increases in um, attacks on hospitals, uh, federal, local, state governments um, across the board. Um Traditional infrastructure, water treatment plants, things like that, telecommunications providers. So, on the hacktivist side, DDoS is absolutely uh, the go to tactic. We don't really see any changes in tactics anywhere else, but we have seen a shifting victimology to industries that are critical to the operations of the state.
0: And when you talk about those, are you talking about within Ukraine or are you talking about? Globally, because obviously, yeah, because we know when the um, war first broke out and there were the attacks, the cyber attacks that led up to the invasion as well. Mm -hmm. There were a lot of notices from government organizations saying, right, you need to prepare your cybersecurity posture for an increased amount of attacks. Were those kind of messages well thought out? Were they necessary from what you found?
2: Yes. So what we've seen, um, generally speaking, with regards to attack on critical infrastructure and government, the attacks are largely limited to Ukraine immediately before and immediately after the war. As the war goes on, as groups continue to evolve, as motives continue to evolve, and as you can't really target the same entities in Ukraine over and over again if you want to achieve your political objectives so what we are seeing are groups slowly shifting focus to hospitals schools universities government entities located in the United States in Germany um in Japan generally these attacks correlate with geopolitical issues so we see um a, a massive increase in both actual cyber attacks, like ransomware attacks, data leak attacks, and DDoS attacks on Germany when they announced that the Leopard 2 um, tanks were going to be brought to Ukraine. And we see, you know, when, when Russia and Japan had issues over uh, territory in Japan's exclusive economic zone and and Chinese and Russian military drills, we see attacks on Japan, right? So generally speaking, we see correlations between what's happening in the news and the cyber attacks, but they have shifted away from Ukraine and are now targeting what they consider to be anti-Russian or adversarial nations, these being the US, France, the UK, Germany, um, Japan, and others.
0: I think that's definitely obviously a trend we're seeing. So just in the final few minutes of our conversation, and I would encourage anyone listening to simply Google Dark Covenant 2 and the report should come up at the top of your search. Have a read of it because it is really interesting. It goes into so much more detail about links with the dark web, cybercrime and foreign policy impacts, kind of what we've touched on there, like the Leopard 2 stuff, like how that impacts um, what's going on. But for anyone reading the report or kind of considering what you've just talked about and the different um, evolutions of cybercrime we've seen from Russia over the past 12 months, what do you think the key takeaway should be and what action should organizations be taking?
1: Yeah,
2: so the key takeaway really for us is that attribution matters, particularly when we are talking about cybercrime and the Russian state, because attribution in this context leads us to a whole host of analysis on trends and changing motivations in dark covenant we identify a lot of changes to the cyber criminal underground and how it impacts defenders this being rises in payment card fraud as a result of sanctions um changes to the malware as a service uh, threat landscape due to the arrests of the raccoon stealer operators and Russian brain drain, how IT professionals leaving Russia as the result of the war are going to lead to more variants of malware and changes to the actual underground economy. We're seeing info stealers go crazy on dark web shops and marketplaces, particularly targeting credentials because people are dumping all the the information that they have as they leave the country. We're seeing a lot of changes across the board, whether it's in victimology, in tactics or in motivations. And the key takeaway for us is that attribution really matters because you can think about how you can best strategize, how you can best predict future attacks if it is targeted directly from Russia or Russian cyber criminals.
0: Excellent. Yeah. And as I said, for anyone listening, do go and check out the report. And Alex, thank you so much for highlighting some of those key points from the report today. And I'm sure you're going to be working on the third iteration of the report. And perhaps in 12 months time, we can catch up and see how things have continued to evolve further, because I don't think there's any stopping um, in this kind of area. But thank you so much for joining me today.
2: I really appreciate it. Thank you so much.
0: Well, thank you, Alex Leslie there for his insight into the Dark Covenant 2.0 report. Um, I think it kind of shows again that over the last 12 months, there has been an evolution of the cyber threat landscape when it comes to Russian backed actors. And as the war rumbles on, I think we will continue to see a lot of activity and that evolution will continue. Thanks, Kevin, for your insights into wipers. Uh, That article will be coming out in the next edition of the InfoSecurity magazine, and you'll be able to check it out online. Also online is Kevin's analysis of the Google report that we talked about earlier in the episode. Um, so thanks for that. Hopefully that's given you a bit of a snapshot into what's been going on in the last 12 months. But until next time, that's a goodbye from
1: us. Goodbye.
0: Thanks for listening to the InfoSecurity Magazine podcast. For in-depth interviews with the industry's leading experts, check out our sister podcast where we sit down with a cybersecurity expert to discuss the hottest topics of the day and their personal journey into cybersecurity. And of course, for more news, analysis and expert insight, head to the InfoSecurity Magazine website at infosecurity magazine dot com